It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's happening, people? Welcome to this week's episode of It's All Black Academic with your host, myself, Jordan, Jared, Brian. Um, on the show this week, we're going to be having um, a discussion on something that I've wanted to talk about for a little while on the show. It's a discussion around death, loss and grieving, and more specifically, how, as a black community, we deal with all three. Um, and I've got, some, I've got three really great guests with me that hopefully will add um, some great value and context to, to this discussion. Uh, first of all, I'm joined by Diane Bryan, who's Diane Bryan, who's integrative and bereavement counsellor for adults, children and adolescents. How are you? I'm fine, you thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm the author of The Darker Side to Ghana, Kofi Ali, who's going to... I've invited you on because I want you to really break down. I'm interested to know how the different African countries and the tribes within those countries differentiate in terms of how they deal with death and passing as well. And thirdly, I'm joined by Dr. Marilyn Allen, who's a specialist in therapeutic counselling and lifestyle practice. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Thank you all for joining me on this subject here today. Um, now, obviously, this is such a, a sensitive discussion. Uh, I think we can all relate in terms of we would have lost someone close to us um, at some point. Uh, so I'm very, very aware of the sensitivities of this discussion, but I think it's a very important one to be having. Um, I'm going to start with, with you, Diane. Um, just kick, kick us off with talking about why it's so important to have a healthy uh, grieving process. To be honest, um, it's very important because grief is actually a natural process of life is actually quite a natural thing and we are not sort of prepared nowadays well really in life for death it's something we don't really often talk about and when it happens we tend to go into shock which is natural we can deny um, it's also recognized now as a form of post-traumatic stress disorder um, if the grief is not healthy, it can lead to often sort of the most worst emotional conditions ever. Um, it can lead to addictions. It brings out attachment disorders. Um, you know, and to be honest, it's quite natural. Mm. It's one of those things where you have to allow someone to go through the, this emotional turmoil, anger, allow them to feel depressed and low sometimes, and... To, until they learn to sort of accept the loss of this person, which is something we all have to go through at some point, at some stage in our life. Indeed. Um, and Kofi, do, do you see any kind of significant differences in how, uh, I suppose, the black people, and we will get to kind of 
you know, digging down on the different types of, of, of black of black people that there are. Um, but black people generally and white people in the West and here in Europe deal with the death of, of a loved one. Indeed. You know, death is, like uh, Dan said, uh, part of our life. However, death is dealt with from different perspectives. I mean, um, uh, different cultures have different approach. And death is not about an individual, it's about a group, in most cases. However, it depends upon the nature, the structure of the culture. And given the fact that a lot of those who are now becoming part of the British family, which I say British family, a lot are actually migrants. So when there is bereavement, it's about what is done here and what is done elsewhere. And in this context, you will then see that if you actually live here, the way you deal with this issue is a bit different in the sense that in this society, the definition of a family, most cases, is a person, the partner, and the, 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 the children. Mm -hmm. And therefore, grief is around that. Again, then comes in the issue of religion of the individual and then the social class. That then will say that it will be bigger or smaller. Now, as a person is grieving here, elsewhere, the context of family is beyond the individual. Therefore, the loss is not to that person, but to a huge family that has their own plan. Some cases, they will say, oh, the body should be delayed. In some other cases, they say, no, let's bury the body. Because at the time, the body is still with you as the one that has lost someone. It could be a child, it could be a partner, it could be, uh, what do you say, parents, at that time, as long as the, the body is with you, there is that tension. You only want to do away with the body, mm -hmm. in other words, with dignity that we all deserve. That's what you want to do. And when the body is taken away, you have relief. However, some cultures tend to uh, say that, okay, they want to even take the body from the UK to where the person probably migrated from. Because to them, the body belonged to the bigger Mother family. I, I want to pick up a bit more in terms of um, the continent of Africa and how, and how you guys, um, the different countries uh, d deal with death in the different ways. I'm really intrigued by that. Um, I, I want to speak to yourself, uh, Dr. Marilyn, about how death can manifest itself or not dealing with death can manifest itself in terms of mental health and how not processing that in a healthy way, what that can lead to later on in life. So if you experience a death at a very young age, it can be a friend, it can be a relative, anybody. If you don't process that correctly, how that can 10, 20, 30 years later uh, be, be really bad for you psychologically. Okay, so um, death will, will occur in everybody's family. It's the guaranteed thing for everybody. Nobody lives forever. So everybody's going to experience bereavement and grief through death, loss. Um, the way people deal, tend to deal with grief and loss is through attachment. Um, we have different types of attachments. We have secure attachments, ambivalent attachments. We also have avoidant attachment. And it is based on how you were brought up, how your caregiver brought you up. And so, for instance, if you have secure attachment, you have a lot of confidence. You're not scared to be in the world on your own. So if somebody who has secure attachment loses a person who's very close to them, from a very young age, they know how to be confident on their own. 
and so they're able to deal with being independent without the basic caregiver at any time. So whether as a child or as an adult, the inner working model is that I can cope with everything. And so whether as a teenager or an adult, you go back to your behavior pattern, which is hardwired in your brain, and then you go straight back into that, so you'll be able to cope better. Somebody who has ambivalent attachment, meaning that they weren't quite sure whether when they cried, mother came. Um, they weren't quite sure whether mother was going to give them the love that they wanted or the validation they wanted, would hardwire that. And so uh, throughout their life, they'll think, oh, um, am I sure I'm doing this right? There's a bit of hesitation in terms of confidence in all senses of the word mm -hmm. in their life. Yeah. And so when there's a death, am I confident enough to show my grief? Are people going to criticize me? Is somebody going to blame, blame me for crying too much? Is this the right time to show my grief? You're not very confident, you're hesitant. And so then perhaps you keep some of that inside. And then at some point, because it's unresolved, when something triggers that emotion in you, you just break down totally. Perhaps something very little doesn't deserve you breaking down completely, but you will because you've gone back, it's activated the pain that you didn't express. And that can lead to blame, shame, addictions, um, bad um, relationships, and so on and so forth. Somebody who has avoidance um, attachment style will just sit there and not react to anything as a child because maybe when they cried, nobody came. They had to find ways of coping on themselves. And unfortunately, there are some styles of raising children that say the child should be left on their own to cry and fall asleep. Yes, yeah. Okay, so in such a case, when the person is growing, they seem to think that they shouldn't react to anything. They should assess the situation. They shouldn't show emotion. Because when they were a child, when they showed emotion, nobody came. Yeah. They've hardwired that. So when they grow older yeah. and there's bereavement or grief or loss, whether it's death, whether it's of a relationship, whether it's financial loss, whether it's social loss, um, they tend to behave that way. They go straight back. Well, I want to come back to the other forms of loss because I think mm -hmm. when people think of losing someone, they automatically think death. Mm -hmm. But you, you, uh, you, you can grieve with someone that hasn't died, but is no longer with you to Absolutely. some degree. Um, I'm going to come back to you now, Diane. The first time I understood that you, you were doing, doing this work and you were qualified in, the, in, this, in this industry, in this area, was when you lost, you lost your son. Mm -hmm. And I only knew this because, I only come across this because I remember being at the nine night that you had and thinking to myself how incredibly, I don't know what the word is, uh, calm you were, you were, you were in inverted commas, very just normal in your behavior. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, explain to people that don't know what a nine night is, what a nine night is. And secondly, what was your coping mechanism or how did the work you do now enable you to be uh, and deal with the situation that you dealt with? So what's a nine night first? first well, the, the nine nights is the celebration of the death, mm -hmm. which in all the years I've been going to nine nights, I never quite understood why we have to celebrate this death, you know. And then when my son died, I kind of realized 
all of a sudden everybody came. You don't remember telling everybody that it, somebody's died, but the news seems to travel out. And it was a very step, soothing, supportive step process where everybody came, friends, family, everybody came in a loving capacity and supported us when we didn't even realise we needed support it. And it's a very Jamaican thing. To it was, a, yeah, it is a very, very sort of, yeah, Jamaican, Caribbean thing. I have a Jamaican background. And um, by the time the 9-9th came, um, there was meals, food, celebration. It was an actual celebration of life. And it was so nice to see so many people come. Even my son's friends and people I never even knew that knew him. There was over 2,000 people at my son's funeral. And I didn't get to greet every one of them, but I never knew that we knew so many people. And it was really, really loving. At the end of the nine nights, when everybody was gone, that was the actual time when the actual grieving process started to begin, to be totally honest, because you don't have time. And during the nine nights, you're just through absolute denial and shock in reality. You're just fun functioning and just coping as you're going along without realising you're actually, you feel you're entertaining and keeping people going without realising that everyone is actually supporting you. And at the end of the nine nights, the energy drains and you are absolutely mentally and physically exhausted and the realization comes of why everybody came to you and then you realize then you start going for the actual process of recognizing the loss um, i understood it because i've been dealing with bereavement for five years so i kind of understood the process of, of exactly what was going on and the most intriguing thing for me was the actual searching process and the searching process is when um, you will see your loved one in many things. And there were many triggers, like, say for example, at seven o'clock he would come in, and you know, Emmerdale comes on at seven o'clock. You associated that. You would straight away, you would associate seven o'clock, you know, and you would feel this over and sort of sense of loss. And for me, it was, you know, I was told my son died at 9.30. And at 9.30, no matter whatever happens, I always find myself looking at the clock. Even now, I don't even remember sometimes why I'm looking, but I, I'll find myself looking at 9.30 to sort of pick up, or my brain sort of recognises that was the time when my, I was told my son left the earth. Um, Kofi, so that, the nine nights is a very Jamaican thing, it's something that we do where we do celebrate the, the, the passing of, of a loved one. Um, there's lots of food, there's lots of talking, there's lots of jokes and it's, it's, it's a very uplifting um, time of remembering the person that's passed. Talk to me a little bit about the different ways, so, so you're, you're Ghanaian. Talk to me first of all about the different ways in which Ghanaians, uh, how they handle death, grief and loss. Indeed. Um, and, and why they do what they do. Why they do what they do. Uh, there are, there are. How do I say? Uh, two things we are looking at here when you talk about bereavement. Sometimes it has to do with, like she said, a dependency. What are you losing? Now, what you are losing, like I said earlier, depends upon the society. Like we said, if a person is brought up to be independent, they tend to see the loss just as somebody's gone away. But then when they, you are not when you are in when you are not independent and you depend on that person, then there will be the challenges of what? What you will get in return from that person. And this is where the British or I'll say the European uh, uh, way of going about bereavement is a bit different from the West African way. In West Africa we have so many tribes. 
in West Africa, most times it's about dependency. So what am I losing from that person who is no more? So anytime there is bereavement, you see people going far, far into things like crying, wailing physically. And sometimes it's very interesting to have, they expect you to do it. So sometimes you can even go and rent people, pay them to come and cry wow. on your behalf wow. to show how much you have lost the dead person. Almost professional criers. They will have them. They are well paid and they are good at it. And when, uh, but again, it comes to the, like I said, the social class, the connection, how many people. To some people, sometimes it could be business. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So just going back to that. So I'm interested in that. So why is it important to have that show that we have? Why, 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 do, they, why do they do that? It's all about how much important this person means to me. Okay. And the more people that turn out and, the, and show their grief, the more important that person was. Yes. And then again, how much more? And that's the positive side. How far has he gone in touching these people's life? In other words, while he's alive or while he was alive, the things he did. So they are all there to see that. Oh man, this man is gone. We don't want him to be dead. We wish he's here because when he's here, we'll be getting what we were going to be getting. It has its positive and negative side. The negative side is that sometimes individuals are forced in certain tradition that they will go to any extent to spend more than they have. So after the bereavement, after the whole uh, uh, incident, they will end up with huge debt because they will have gone to maybe part of showing that oh, it's a great man is renting, you know, killing animals, taking over the whole town. Sometimes it's gone for weeks. And this is why in some cases they need to even have to delay the dead body, keep it in the fridge, you know, preserve it for months so that people from far and wide will come. Most cases is for old people, people who are aged. And again, sorry, quickly, religion comes in here. The Muslims bury so quickly, two, three days, it's gone. They put him down. 
there is a postmortem that is need to, needed to be done where the government did take it quickly. In fact, sometimes the following day. So sometimes they don't spend much. But Ghana, Nigeria, and it's even going beyond like Kenya and so on. You have people who really... It's a big this, drone out of uh, It's a big, big business. And at the end of the day, sometimes we even sit down. Kids are not going to school. The person who might have died may be a very, very poor person. Very, very. Nobody care about that person while they are alive. But the time they die, the children now, who probably will have to show that, yes, we are, and our parents is a great Somebody. person. Yeah. So what they then do is that they will get their own friends to come in now. Their friends are coming to contribute, actually. Let me just point you there. You want to come in? There, I wanted to say, um, but you did ask in a sort of Caribbean concept that, Mostly with the Caribbean, the origin of Nine Nights stemmed from slavery. And I mean, it also, after a while, it developed a spiritual um, reason for it. But it was a time when, as the revolutions arrived during slavery, there was a time when slaves would get time off. Once the person died, they can bury them at night time and they would continue this celebration for as long as they got the time off when someone close to them died. And as time went on within the Caribbean culture, um, with our nine nights, everybody brings food. To this day, everyone brought what they had to celebrate and to acknowledge the death of this loved one. Now it's sort of changed a lot to like what you were saying, the expenses of it, it's turned absolutely elaborate. But before, everyone, just, we still like, would bring chicken, everyone would bring something. But Really, um, it is for the Caribbean, it is still basically a, based on a slavery thing of having time off to celebrate someone's death. And it sort of, as time went on, it, the spirituality of it was that when this person died, they were free from slavery. It meant they were liberated. They, you know, this person has moved on, they're going into their homecoming, they're going out to heaven, their time is done, you know, and that was the spiritual concept of it. Um, I want to talk a little bit now about what I mentioned earlier on, the difference between someone dying and losing somebody. So talk to me a little bit about how losing a partner, losing a best friend, how that form of grief can manifest itself in somebody as well. Okay, so when you form a relationship with somebody, the person is in your life. You do things with them, you, you um, develop brain patterns yeah, which again you hardwire. You've had a relationship with this person, you do things with them, they're in your life, you do things together. Um, even business partners, even your employer, um, your teacher, your professor, um, the, the person who supplies you food constantly, anybody, you form relationships, the world is full of relationships, and then there's a rupture in the relationship. Now, because you have cultivated this brain pattern of this person being in your life, when they go and they're not there anymore, you feel it. You have to feel it because it's a natural process. Um, again, going back to the attachment theory, the three attachment styles, if you're a secure person, you just see it as they came into your life, they've gone, you're very independent, you're strong in your emotions, they've served their time, they're gone. But if you have ambivalent or avoidant, it does affect you because is it a rejection thing? Is it a blame thing? Is it a shame thing? Are you being shamed because you've been dumped? 
was it your fault? They find a way of blaming themselves, even though it's not their fault. Um, that's interesting because I've, I've always, I didn't, I didn't think about grief when, when linked with losing someone that, in, that, in, that, in that sense. So um, I, I find that personally quite interesting. Catherine Mannix wrote a book I've got here um, called With the End in Mind. Mm -hmm. And she says there are two days in our lives that are under 24 hours, mm -hmm. the day you're born and the day you die. She, she makes the point that we spend so much time focusing on one day, the day you're born, but not enough on the day that you die. Is that something you would agree with as well? And if, if, if so, how do you focus on that final day? Well, it depends in which context she means uh, the last 24 hours of your death, because death manifests itself in so many ways. If you died when you were in hospital having been in coma for a few years mm. how then do you account for the 24 hours sure, yeah. if you have a car accident it it's, wasn't it's planned it's yeah. instant yeah, how yeah. do you manage do you see what i mean yeah, yeah, how yeah. do you account for that mm -hmm. so i don't know in what context she wrote that but do you think that we we should be spending just as much time as mm -hmm. the focus on when, when someone's born mm -hmm. as, I don't know, I don't know how you plan these things. I've, I've, I kind of understood what she said, but didn't. I was wondering if you thought that there was a way of planning for when you pass. I, mean, I think that in, in European society, we plan. So we have death insurance. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We have death insurance. Yeah. Uh, in Africa, in Ghana, where I come from, hello, um, we used to, in the past, have so many children. Your children were insurance policy. Okay. So you had so many children, you brought them up in a way that they would have children, earn money, look after you whilst you were growing older. That was the guarantee that when you died, somebody was going to bury sure, you. Sure, yeah. So for that reason, if you didn't have children, it was very difficult. And that's why people forced to have children and wow. if they couldn't have children the wives will find a way of bringing a child yeah yeah so that it would mean that you were someone you had done your deeds and somebody was going to bury you i mean faith and religion also plays a part in your preparation for death to be honest and religion often sort of serves as a reward process for that passing over that great transition of when your time comes you know you do well you go to heaven you do bad you know and you you're it would your conscience would sort of guide you along the way. Having, having said that, um, I think it was Barry White who said that he was very close with his brother and they had a little local deal that whomever went first would find a way of coming back and telling the other whether there was a heaven or a hell. And Barry said he waited and waited and waited and his brother never came. I told him. So he doesn't know whether there there's a heaven is. or a hell. But there we are, we just have yes. to believe. And we have death doulas. I didn't know about death doulas. For those that don't know, we have birth doulas. Um, for people that don't know, those are people that support uh, the woman in the process of giving birth. Um, you actually have people who are professional death doulas as well. That uh, I suppose the opposite that support you on when 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 you're when when you're maybe about to pass. Have you heard of this thing before? Yeah. Well, Pref that is the job of a therapist. Okay, is that just a different word for the same thing? It's yeah. the same thing. It's the job. It's just the name changes. Okay. But there are people um, who will look after you and try and prepare you. Mm -hmm. They're therapists for end of life. End of okay. Life. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's just a different name. Um, I'm trying to move it forward. I've got to wrap up quite soon, guys. But there are statutory rights for when you're a new parent. Mm -hmm. Do you think there should be statutory rights for when somebody, 
close to you passes. So do you think it should be in law that if your wife, if your son, if your daughter passes, it's law that you have a certain period of time where you have off and you you are you don't you're not financially out of pocket. Well, we do have that, don't we? It's already there. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's in law. Is it in law? It's in law. You do get time off. How long do you get? Do you know? I think you get um, um, leave for five working days or some such thing. Should it be more? It is there. It should be more. It should be more. more. I'm not. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But there is because I remember when my father passed away, I had to travel to Ghana. Okay. Um, I was a university lecturer then, and I was given leave to go home. Yeah. It's called bereavement leave or something. You do that some... Yeah, I don't remember how long it was, but you do get that. You if do. you're employed, you should get that. Yeah. Like you get maternity leave or mm-hmm. sick leave, yes. It might not be enough because bereavement hasn't got a set time sure, within course, which yeah. you have to uh, grieve and yes. then come yeah. back to work. So you will come back to work and you will still be in the state of grief, mm-hmm. but you do get a little time. Um, go, go on, go on. The little uh, addition to that is what you mentioned, the financial support as well. That when you get that day, I think it's seven days or something like that, but you are not financially supported. And it's very important. Although I think the council, some councils, have a way of going about the financial aspect. They do help the family to, I mean, to, for, for example, burial, how do you want to be buried, and so on and so forth. They do give that assistance. Can I can I just um, say something? And it's a bit might be take us off the subject a bit. But sometimes with children, because grief is such a personal thing, bereavement is such a personal thing. No one can manage anybody else's grief, and everyone's grieving styles is based on their you know their life experiences. And often children get missed out or left out on this. And adolescence is quite a crucial time of brain rewiring. With the present violence that we're going through nowadays, a lot of children are experiencing people who are passing in traumatic death experiences, sudden death experiences, mm. and um, expected to go to school the week after, expected to carry on, you know, as normal. And they are forming. And one of the main things in the grief stages of grief is often anger, which can sometimes cause revenge mm-hmm. and it is just delayed reactions. and delayed reactions, yeah. you know. And I just wanted to point out that it should be recognised and noted in schools, probably. Yeah. So on that as well, do you think that that dealing with death should be taught in schools? Is it the school's job? Or is it the parents' job in the home? Who should be teaching young people about? Think, at some point, you're going to lose someone that's close to you. That you I think love. in society we have a mass denial of death, in, especially in the Western culture. We tend to just live for and life is while you're on it, it happens and that's exactly it, you know. But this is something that we all has, it's natural human right to die, is whether you like it or not, we have to die. And I think many people, it should be recognised, it should be taught in schools, you know. I think from very, at at home, in a very, from young. And often people who are born in some sort of faith or some religious thing is often recognised, but... For those who aren't, I think they should have something definitely in place. I mean, it has to go through some trauma first before it's recognised. I think with death, nobody wants anyone, a member, to die. Nobody. It happens. And when it happens, we have to find a way of going around it. So probably the school... How would you go around it? Probably the school. I can't see a parent unless there is someone who is not well in the family. That is when you start preparing the child that, oh, this might happen. I disagree with you. But then, 
Um, uh, why do you disagree with that? Why? Because I don't see how you can go around it and find a way to, you know, it's something that is going to happen. And I think the earlier you know that nobody's going to escape it. As a child is born, death is partner with it. And I don't think that trying to find ways to go around it or approach it, I think it's something that should be taught as telling the time, tying shoelaces. How do you deal with um, conflict? These are things that should be part of life, that you teach your children as part of life, you know? Mm. I quickly think uh, it will be, well, it depends upon the individual. If you want me to, I mean, if you wake up in the morning, so many things you want to talk to your kids about. And if you feel death is part of it, probably fine. I'm, I'm sure they watch TV, they do so many things, so they might have been picking disinformation. But if the school feels fine, we have so many of them in a professional way, let's introduce them to that. I think that is also fine. I want to finally just ask, ask you about going back to culture and how you think, how, how important it is that an individual that's maybe in, as, has a religion or as part of a culture that has a, a specific group way of dealing with death should be allowed to deal with death in their own individual way. So if, you, if you're from a particular culture where this is how we deal with death, but that's not really conducive to how you want to deal with your, with your grief, what, what can and what should that individual do? Because must, there must be lots of people in the world that have that kind of, that, 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 that conflict going on of, this is how my family is saying we should deal with this, but that, that doesn't work for me. Well, it's a bit challenging in that wise. Like we said, the, there's a lot of superstitious issues around death in certain culture. Some culture, like we say, could be just, oh, it has happened, let's go on with it. But in some culture, it's about, you are going to meet this person again. So the person will be waking up in the future, and you're going to meet again, and this and that. So all those things come in. Now, if you have a culture, to me, the way I look at it is that, probably there might be a standard that the whole world, one way or the other, will come to. Mm. Because we are, we are more or less merging in a way. Some cultures are far behind, while some cultures are far more advanced. In terms of dealing with... In the terms of dealing with, okay. with these problems. Okay. The cultures that have challenges of uh, probably the individual is so low, there's nothing they can do. Mm. The only way is to use the psychological type, which I mean, you'll be waking up again, your husband is gone, yeah, you life. can start life again, and so on. It works with them. Yeah. Now, it then just, come back... Just briefly, because I've got to wrap up. It please. comes back to where do you find yourself? Is it here or there? Yeah. You see? So where you find yourself determines exactly how, how the detail will be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, Kofi, Diane and Dr. Allen, thank you very much, all three of you joining me on which I think is a very important um, but obviously very sensitive discussion. If you haven't subscribed to our channel by now, please do so. Blackademic TV, we're across all the socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, check out our website, blackademic.com. Until next week, peace. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 